For Your Reconsideration is proudly part of the Flickering Myth Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to For Your Reconsideration, a film podcast spectacular which auditions the strangely misstepping performers of cinema to see whether we can allow them back into the filmic big top. I'm Rob and I'm joined by my fellow ringleader, James. How are you, mate? I'm very well, thank you, Robert. How are you this evening? I'm extremely well. Good, and good. it's an extra happy days for us tonight because we've got another ringleader in with us in the form of none other than film journalist Supremo and fellow Flickering Myth podcaster, Tom Beasley. How are you, Tom? Hello. I always appreciate being called a Supremo. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is one for the Twitter bio if I ever heard one. I, in fairness, I don't know many people who don't like being called a Supremo. <laughs> Take that back. I will not be referred to as a Supremo. <laughs> uh, well, Tom, thank you so much for coming on. Um, I wondered if it's all right. Could you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, please? Uh, yes, I suppose I can. So I am, um, and I use the term loosely, a professional film journalist. It is my full-time job. Uh, I write for various places, uh, including um, Flickering Myth, as as you said, uh, Yahoo Movies, uh, Gizmodo, uh, The Guardian, The New Statesman, The Eye, Little White Lies, anywhere that will give me anything approaching money uh, in order to (laughs) provide words about movies. That's pretty much me. Yeah, I've been doing it professionally a little while, unprofessionally a lot lot longer. Um, (laughs) I say that as if I'm in any way professional now. I'm pro- I'm, profe- I'm professional by the most technical definition of that word. But uh, anything else is up in the air. We've known each other five minutes, Tom, and I think we're on the same wavelength, aren't we? Really? <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's fantastic. Uh, of course, you host the um, Pick of the Flicks podcast as well. Which um, can I, you know, can I get a little bit of fanboying out of the way? Oh, please do. I really like that. Yeah, it's fantastic. I really like so. your podcast, mate. <laughs> oh, oh! I'm touched. Thank you, guys. No, I know. I, I, it's you know, it's one of those things. You know, we don't like to fawn over our supremos when we get them on. But, um... <laughs> I think, I think that the, the horse has bolted on that yeah. one. <laughs> Tom will be That's blocking fantastic. us immediately as soon as he yeah, finishes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stalkers, we're in the like little stalkers subcategory on Twitter. Um, ah, no, that's well. Thank you again. I don't need to tell you that professional film journalists do not have stalkers, so I'll take it. <laughs> no, I mean professional film journalist. That's you know, if you didn't have one before tonight, Tom, you probably will do. So, <laughs> best of luck with that. Um, so, what have we been watching this week, fellas? Um, James, let's start with you, mate. What have you been watching? So, uh, I'll kick us off because it's probably a film that Tom, being a film critic, probably saw last year, but the rest of us only ha- had to wait for the general release until this week. And I finally saw Parasite fresh off its... Oh, exciting. Fresh oh. off its uh, Best Picture winning glory on Sunday evening. And I managed to go in relatively cold, see no trailers... All I knew about the film going in was that it revolved around two families, a rich one and a poor one, and it was set in South Korea. And oh, it's so good and it's so deserving of everything that it's that has come its way over the last few oh, that's months. Brilliant. That's brilliant. You know, it's just got something for everything. There's brilliant surprises throughout. It's comedic, it's dark, it's verging on slapsticks at some point, and then there's social commentary as well, and it's nihilistic, but it's hopeful as well at the same time. There really is something for everyone, and it just won't be pigeonholed into a genre. I take it you quite liked it, Tom. Oh, I just adored it. I've seen it twice. Um, Show off. 
and <laughs> and and it just grows every time you see it like my first reaction when anyone says let's talk about parasite is absolute fear because i just go no don't spoil it yeah. say nothing don't say anything because as you said you know going in cold is the way to go in because if you know anything about it you, one of the like you say it doesn't allow itself to be put into a genre box and so every time you think you've got a handle on it, it squirms off in another direction. Yeah. And the less you know about that squirming, the better. Right. Uh, oh, it was an absolute delight. And uh, I watched it on uh, Monday in the afternoon, pretty packed screening as well, considering it was like lunchtime on a weekday. And what really struck me as well is the comedy played really well, despite the subtitles. Like everyone mm. was really getting into it and uh, and laughing at the appropriate moments. And yeah. so the, the subtitles are no barrier at all to enjoying a film. No, absolutely. That's that's the joy of Parasite for me is that, you know, I think maybe even when it won the Oscar, a certain um, a group of people will go, oh, it's this pretentious arty movie yeah. with subtitles. But it's not. It's a really crowd-pleasing genre movie. It's really straightforwardly entertaining even before you get to the social commentary. Yeah, it's great. It's really, really good. That's oh, brilliant. It, it winds me up so much that, that people um, seemingly cannot enjoy a film because it has that caveat, allegedly of subtitles attached to it and it's just oh you're missing out on so much good stuff not just of any genre of yes. any genre yeah. you know you, you it's cut uh, was it that expression chopping your nose off to spite your face mm. you're not helping anybody you know so yeah i um you know again speaking like i've seen it no i'm not saying <laughs> <laughs> I'd, love, <laughs> I'd absolutely love to see it but uh we'll have to wait till the children give me a break in my schedule for, <laughs> for that one. Uh, what about uh, you tom what have you seen this week so i saw finally just as with parasite which uh premiered at the Cannes Film Festival last year and we've had to wait a year for it to come here. A similar boat, uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Ah. Um, Celine Siamar's French romance. It's it's a period tale of uh, a sort of forbidden lesbian romance between a woman who's about to be married off to a rich guy and the portrait painter who is hired to um, to paint a picture of her to send to said rich guy before she arrives. It's a beautiful, beautiful movie. Uh, Celine Siamar made a movie called um, Girlhood a few years back, which got pretty good reviews. And this one is getting even better reviews. It won the uh, the Queer Palm at Cannes last year. Yeah, She was the first female filmmaker to ever win that prize. It's almost like a sensory experience. It, it gets in your chest with the the music and the the the, the visual feel of it. It culminates in a, 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 this really intense musical finale that... The only thing I can compare it to is the ending of Whiplash. Oh, wow. Where it comes to this musical crescendo, and that's the only comparison I can reach for. It's very different tonally, but in terms of cinematic experience, ah. I felt very similarly about it. It was such an impressive movie. You know, it's been getting rave reviews everywhere. So at this point, it's just me adding on top of that pile, really. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, Commode's been talking quite a lot about it recently, and I know he loved her previous film as well, so I'm excited yes. to see that. Oh, yeah. I, uh, well, uh, so we've just had an Oscar winner, <laughs> a, um, a well-revered uh, European movie that's... Um, Going to go on and do great things. I'm going to let the side down massively <laughs> Come by on, Rob. saying... Hey, hang on. Ho- like, you know the premise of this podcast, right? We're all going to let the side down in a minute. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, uh, I, don't, I don't think you're... You know, I am going to let it down even worse. Yeah. I'm halfway through. Um, it's actually called Saban's Power Rangers. 
is the you know so this is the 2018 reboot of the Power Rangers franchise, directed in a Michael Bay sort of pastiche, and uh, yeah, I'm halfway through. Yeah, let's move on. <laughs> well, as quick as we well possibly now, can. Here's here's the thing. I really like that Power Rangers movie. <laughs> Mate, I've got to be honest, I'm halfway through. I'm like, yeah, I'm digging this. Yeah. I'm in here. It's really good. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. And it's the kids great. are like, can we turn it off, Daddy? I'm like, no, no. <laughs> We're going to watch a bit more. Give me two more minutes with this. It opens with a really unpleasant sexual joke involving an animal. Um, <laughs> but the subsequent 95 minutes are great. <laughs> yeah. I, it's, you know, I think it's going to go down as one of those, hey, I actually think we might be revisiting this soon on this podcast, actually. Yes. You know, I That's think we it. might be. So I'll keep my powder dry. Yeah. You know, uh, but yeah. So halfway through, so far so good. Ticking boxes, uh, left, right, and center for me. And it's you know what? It's like I didn't realize I had such a soft spot for the Power Rangers thing, the whole thing, you know. <laughs> but I've got a new game actually. You know, like have you seen when you go on Netflix and you type in Power Rangers, just how many different series there are? No. No. Oh, there's loads. There's like Dino Thunder, Dino Charge, <laughs> uh, Zio Warriors, and uh, all sorts of stuff. There's, I think there's about 27 different series of Power Rangers on Netflix alone. So it's, you know, like sometimes you get those viral Twitter things and it's like, you know, find out what your, you know, your, oh, your porn star name is if you add this to this and whatever. You could come up with your own Power Rangers <laughs> series if you say Power Rangers, colon, Someone give me a name, uh, an animal, any animal. Zebra. Zebra. Can you give me uh, an act of forward motion, please, James? Propulsion. I don't know. Right. <laughs> Power Rangers Zebra Propulsion. There you go. That's it. I, I would that's watch literally that. it. it is, that's, it's that simple. There's loads of them that are just like this. So, yeah, I think, you know, Netflix, what you're doing, stop wasting your money on these people. Come to us. We can sort these out in a heartbeat. <laughs> That's a few beers. The, the Irishman, <laughs> who needs Scorsese yeah. and De Niro and Pesci yeah. and Pacino? No, no. <laughs> you, you don't need, need zebra them. propulsion. <laughs> you need Power Rangers zebra propulsion. That is your name. <laughs> I tried this actually, you know, to test whether that worked. I tried it on uh, my um, sister-in-law and she said that um, we came out with Squirrel Force. <laughs> Squirrel Force. It's, it's Power another Rangers good one. There we go. Come on. Writes itself. <laughs> it really yeah, that's it. I, I, yeah, I think I remember Squirrel Force. It was on Saturday morning TV right after Zebra Propulsion. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Now, oh, now Rob says so there that he's not really into Power Rangers, but this is the second lengthy Power Rangers based oh, yeah, detour know, we've had in the last few weeks. So are you actually working for Saban? Uh, no, no, but if Saban wants to throw some money at the FYR podcast, you, you know, Saban, you know how to get in touch. <laughs> is, is that how you say it? Because part of me wants to say Saban. Either or. Whatever they prefer. Either or, either or. Whatever you call it. Whatever you call it. Okay, you're good, the, good, you, good. You're the one who works for them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I should just read it off my checks, really. Yeah, I? exactly. <laughs> What's it say? Now, the checks don't come with the handy pronunciation guide, so, you know, no can do, I'm afraid. <laughs> so... As is customary when we have a guest on, it's their pick. So, Tom, what have you got for us tonight? Well, um, I've I've got a doozy. Um, it's it's <laughs> it's it's a horror gateway drug. It's it's a stunning look into the heart of the human psyche. <laughs> it's about the dangers of not being careful where you put cigarettes. <laughs> it's about the dangers of running directly into a flock of pigeons for no reason. <laughs> um, 
it's 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 a cautionary tale really against stopping yourself from being murdered it's one of the great horror sequels of the noughties it's final destination 2 is that guy drinking beer So, Tom, what brings you to selecting Final Destination 2 for tonight's film? Well, many, many things. Anyone who's listened to some of the other podcasts I do, I I often talk about how I came to films quite late. I didn't grow up watching loads of films. My parents weren't that into films. So it wasn't until I was kind of an adult that I really started getting into movies. I didn't really go to the cinema regularly until I was like probably 16, 17, 18. However... I did go to an all-boys comprehensive secondary school in Coventry in the West Midlands. Um, sorry to anyone not in the UK who won't grasp that. <laughs> but, um, uh, the, 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 the primary landmark that we love in Coventry is our IKEA, and it's about to be shut down. So that tells you everything oh. you need to know about Coventry. <laughs> Even the things we're proud of eventually wither and die. <laughs> and so it was in this slightly rough but mostly pleasant secondary school in Coventry that I um, started to hear talk of a semi-mythical series of films called Final Destination. Um, I I think there were maybe three of them at the point I started hearing about them. And as, you know, teenage boys are wont to do, lessons, uh, especially sort of uh, wood technology, design technology lessons, (laughs) um, the psychological impact of that is, I'm sure, enormous. Um, Nothing you want want to hear more when you're surrounded by power tools um, (laughs) and talk of violent and accidental death. Um, But these lessons essentially became detailed run-throughs of the various death scenes in these films. And so naturally, I was curious what 14, 15-year-old boy with access to an internet connection. And um, in those days, I had no qualms about piracy. Uh, These these days I do. In those days I didn't. Um, And so it was off to, uh, I don't know, LimeWire, (laughs) the pirate game, whatever it was. Other services are available, but you shouldn't use them. Um, (laughs) Professional film critic. Professional. (laughs) (laughs) You have come to the right place tonight, Tom. You've just taken me back to my teenage years of LimeWire and (laughs) Ares as well. That was a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. How can I get the latest Nickelback album? Was that me? Is that just me? I think I use Lime I think I use LimeWire exclusively to download Weird Al Yankovic tracks. (laughs) 
if I remember <laughs> rightly. Woof! What a back catalogue he's got. <laughs> I love it. Every time you wanted to listen to a song or download a film, you took your life in your hands yep. on, on oh, those yeah, programs. Yeah. Well, you, you took your computer's life in its hands. <laughs> <laughs> Not if you do it surrounded by power tools. It was... <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> so... Um, yes, I, uh, via, yeah, not entirely legal means, I obtained, I think Final Destination 2 was the first one I ever got. Yeah. Um, wow. I don't know why that was the first one I got. Maybe I'd heard about a particularly gnarly death scene in this one, <laughs> and so yeah. decided to go to that one first. But I watched it, and I don't think I grasped the impact it would have on me for years and years to come, really. Um, oh, really? <laughs> cool. But... So I, I consider it one of my many gateway drugs into horror, which is now my favorite movie genre. Yeah. Because at, at that time, I connected horror explicitly with the idea of Saw and of Hostel, which were yeah, films yeah. I couldn't have had less of an interest in, quite frankly. Yeah, the yeah. torture aspect did not really appeal to me. Yeah, same. However, I quite liked the idea of these strange, unpleasant, coincidental <laughs> accidents. And I had had yeah. the information about them fed to me so consistently. Um, it was ultimate peer pressure, really. <laughs> the film is just wonderful. It's it's weird. It's creative. It doesn't make any yeah. sense. <laughs> <laughs> they had established quite a simple dynamic in the first film, I later realised after going back and watching it. Yeah. In the second yeah, one, they yeah. went, how, how do we change that dynamic? People are going to want something different. And they went, we'll put it backwards. Yeah. Shall we explain why? No, yeah. not really. We'll just do it. <laughs> we'll, we'll wave it away. They'll pro- they probably won't notice. I was waiting to ask you guys about that bit. <laughs> I wanted to have some help from you guys. Death is very much its own entity in this. And I just like the fact that he's playing a bit of a jazz session here. And he's like, I went forward on the last one. <laughs> Just going to do something a bit more eclectic this yeah, time. Yeah. Keep them on their toes. And then the thing is, in the next one, in Final Destination 3, death gets quite logical again because they're killed in the order they sat on the roller coaster, which makes yeah, loads yeah. of sense. Well done, death. You got your affairs in order. I feel like death, death had probably just gone through a messy divorce when this happened. <laughs> and he just went, I'm angry at the world, sod it. Yeah. Uh, I, I, when I look at this, it's interesting this because I'm totally with you both of you, about, like, Hostel doesn't do anything for me. No. So I like Saw because of, I don't know, there's an aesthetic to Saw that I like, and there's, there's a sinisterness to Saw that I like. But Hostel jumped the shark for me in terms of the gore stuff. It's, yeah. It was pointless. You know, it didn't really have any story attachment or anything like that. Whereas this, Final Destination, this is like, this is high concept horror. Yeah, it is, yeah. You know, this is, it's like, it's got a really brilliant central idea that will carry, you know, it's obviously carried... How many movies have they got to now? <laughs> are, they've got it's a it's a five film series. This so this that's is the second five. five. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, so much so that they're now not numbering them. They're calling it the final destination. Yeah, is which wasn't right? actually the final destination because then no. the fifth oh, one came out after damn. that. <laughs> yeah, they went really? and and then they went back to numbers for Final Destination Five. <laughs> They should have. They should have really gone all fast and furious on it, yeah. and it should have been like Final Destination <laughs> Six, Tokyo Drift. <laughs> yeah. uh, Tokyo I'm quite surprised. Drift. They, I'm, 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 I'm quite. I'm quite surprised they didn't just go for like final destination. Oh. Or, <laughs> Again, they're missing a trick here. Excellent. They really are. Excellent. Stuff. No, I love. I, I love right. the the rich history of horror franchises naming things the final chapter. Yeah. yeah. I wrote about it last year for um, Bloody Disgusting. And I went through all of these franchises because um, 
Nightmare on Elm Street's done it. Loads of other franchises done it. Resident Evil did it. They're going back to it. Um, Human Centipede has done it. They're probably going to go back eventually. Friday the 13th has had two final entries. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I I just love that about horror movies, that they love the... Like, Saw is another example, obviously. Yes. I love the fact that they do it as a marketing ploy. Often, it's not even a marketing ploy that works. Often those final entries gross less. <laughs> no, no. I just love they can't help themselves but go back to it. I, I'm desperate to ask you, you both in which case, I'm assuming you both seen the trailer for, is it Spiral? Yes. The new one in the yes. Saw franchise? Yeah. yeah what do you think? I, I mean, it's going in a new direction, isn't it? And um, again, you know, the, it comes back to that discussion that we've had previously about comedy being quite close yeah. in terms of its relation to horror. Yeah. In terms of, you know, the way that you set up a joke is a very similar to the way you set up a scare. So while it might have seemed strange to begin with that they might get Chris Rock in to yeah, yeah. to do a take on Saw and then which has actually turned out to be more of a spin-off, I think. It looks interesting. Definitely does. And Chris it? Rock and Samuel L. Jackson, I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, that's it. I love the idea of of doing it. I'm not sure it's actually going to be massively different in the practice. Yeah, practice. yes, yeah. I mean, the, there's so much precedent for, um, for for comedy and horror crossing over. Like you had, you know, David Gordon Green and Danny McBride working on the Halloween reboot. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. especially recently, there's so much cross pollination. I'm really interested to see what they do with it. Yeah, it'll be very interesting. Yeah. I'm just, I think I'm just burned after Jigsaw, which was really it. Was it wasn't that Jigsaw <laughs> was worse than all of the other Saw movies? It's that it was just as bad. Yeah. So what was the point of going back to it? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I think um, I'd agree with... Oh, well, I totally agree. The minute I saw Chris Rock do a serious face, I'm in. Yeah. You know, in the trailer, <laughs> there's like that one second, like, oh, I'm in now. I'm in now, you got me. <laughs> and the fact that he's he's quite clearly a driving force behind this, yeah. Chris Rock. That is interesting to me as well. So, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm all in. I'm all in. Um, right, moving on. James, when what is your first uh, encounter with this film then? So I think you and I, Rob, are a little bit older than Tom. So this was actually yes. a cinema trip for me. Yep. So when it came out, I think I saw the first two in the cinema, actually. Yep. And they were brilliant. I remember the ad campaign for them. They did one of those where they'd show like a snippet from the film and then they'd put like a, a night vision camera inside the cinema and yes. you'd see the audience yeah. reacting, yeah. screaming and stuff like that. They yeah. used to do that Who a lot. Who are the people who do those? I don't know. <laughs> I've never met anyone who's done one. I don't know how stage managed they are. They might be actors, but they were always effective. They did. They might have done it with the Blair Witch as well when that initially came out as well. But yeah, so we went to see that, and and to be honest with you, I I saw this one. Remember really enjoying it, and then I've just never carried on with the other three at all. Yeah, in the series. But I uh, I sort of had a quick whiz through the first one. In preparation for tonight's episode, just the highlights, just running through all the... Uh, <laughs> the, the deaths. The yeah, deaths. yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. Gary Lineker wasn't presenting it, but... <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, just, just now, a quick Now, that, that is a late-night TV special I would love to watch. <laughs> yeah. they get, they, you know, afterwards, you've got Alan Shearer, like, drawing circles on it and going, this is what he yeah. did really well. And can Guy Mowbray be commentating while yeah. that's yes. happening? <laughs> I mean, this is his first mistake. Sean William Scott should not be stood that close to the train track. That is criminal. He's miles offside. He's miles offside. For me, he's got to take at least three steps back there. He's got to be in this zone here. Uh, So, yeah, I wish that through to sort of just uh, fill in any missing gaps in the mythology. And then I watched the actual film and realised there was absolutely no point in doing that because they explain it all in this version. (laughs) Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. 
Very much so. Uh, James, I was like you, mate. I was cinema for the first two of this. I remember um, I've got a, like a massive soft spot for the first one mm. in this franchise because that um, plane crash in the first one, I'd never seen anything like it in my life at that point. Yeah. Something as like purely horrible, but does and can happen. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Planes do drop out the sky and that kind of stuff does happen. It's the first time I'd ever, ever seen that. So yeah, that blew me to pieces. And then, yeah, uh, exactly the same. Loved the first one. So went to watch the second one at the cinema. And um, what this was 2003, was it? Yes. Something like yes. that. Yeah. So with the first one being 2000, this yeah. is actually quite like a three year gap's quite. It's quite know, a respectful. long time for a uh, <laughs> it's, isn't it? for one of these. Cause like once they started getting on a roll with Saw, there'd be one every Halloween, wouldn't there? When they were yeah, really, yeah, in, yeah. they were just Literally cranking them out year on quick. year. Yeah. Yeah, the same. Yeah. The same happened with Paranormal Activity at the yeah. height of that. Yes, that was one it was, year. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, th- th- there's like there's a genuine thrill to going to the cinema to watch these movies. Yes, there but, is. Well, I haven't. Again, I haven't seen the latest. They're ones. great to watch with a packed house. Like they are, aren't they? People yeah, jumping yeah, yeah. out there. There's a real vibe in the, in the yeah. cinema. Yeah, really, really good. Yeah. Uh, but like you say, I've never seen the guys in the night vision headsets filming us while they did it. In the movie, so <laughs> here's assuming that it's not happened. I think I think it's a special screening. I don't think they just sneak in halfway <laughs> oh, through. Oh really? <laughs> so naive about the film industry. I just assumed. Yeah. Look, get Seal Team Six in here now. We need to get yeah. some reactions from this screening. I don't know yeah. what I'd do if some random bloke with a video camera just wandered to the front <laughs> of the screening. Oh, it's bad. You don't want that. You don't want that. Um, so, obviously, we have criteria on the pod, don't we? Yes. So, and the criteria is um, it either didn't make its money back at the box office or it's under 50% on Rotten Tomatoes. So, James, does this qualify? Oh, yeah. I mean, it does qualify. So, as you probably would imagine, this is the second in what would be a five-film series. So, it probably goes without saying that it was a sizable hit at the box office. So, it made $91 million worldwide off a $26 million budget. So, profitable. And that's why we then get parts three, four, and then ultimately five. Critically, it didn't do so well. So it's got a rating of 48% on Rotten Tomatoes, 58% user score. Metacritic is even lower. That's a a score of 38 and a user score of 3.5, which is low even for this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Is that how you expected it to be, Tom? Um, I mean, pretty much, yes. Um, (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Despite the significance of these movies to my teenage years, by the time I became an adult, I think I realised the writing was on the wall with these movies. Um, I I mean, by the time The Final Destination, Tokyo Drift, whatever it was called, by the time (laughs) that fourth one came out, even I had realised that they were going downhill because the the fourth one, if you'll remember, is the absurd. It opens with like the NASCAR track. That's the big. Um, is that the big set piece? That's the big disaster at the beginning, and then uh, I think the highlight of the death sequences is that a guy uh, ends up crotch first on like the suction thing of a swimming pool, <laughs> and it sucks his insides out, and they shoot out, and they're like pink, like Vimto. Um, <laughs> Other other fluorescent coloured soft drinks are available. But, um, Just adding that to my watch list as we speak. Yeah, yeah, I know. I hadn't seen it, but like craftily adding that down. No, that's the, the final is properly terrible. It is not a good movie. 
<laughs> the thing, so then they go back for Final Destination Five, which I did see at the cinema. It's the only one I ever saw in a cinema, and that is g- legitimately a good film. Oh, great! Oh, Five is good, and it has the best final twist of any of the five. Oh, oh yeah. class! I'm, I'm check that out. Definitely. Well, uh, now, no, you know, not like now my. Go to list after this is well, Final Destinations four and five. After that, yeah, yeah absolutely, definitely. So, uh, guys, do you want to hear some of the positive reviews that came out around <laughs> around the time? Yes, so, please. Yes, please. Within the swathe of negativity, there were a few good ones. So, oh, yeah. uh, Nev Pierce in his review for the BBC gave it three stars out of five and uh, called it simple but effective. So he enjoyed <laughs> yeah. it. Uh, um, hang on, hang on. It's not simple. <laughs> no, it isn't. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> it's mad. <laughs> I think I think poor Nev Pierce is probably deci- <laughs> describing himself there. <laughs> Simple but effective. <laughs> no offense, Nev. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he'd be really happy with that. He does. <laughs> Unfortunately, our friend Mick LaSalle of the San Francisco Chronicle did oh, not review this one. So, Tom, if you if you're not aware, we always go to Mick for his reviews because they're usually the most insane thing ever, but he hasn't picked this one up. Uh, What was Mick doing that weekend? I don't know, but he sent his colleague C.W. Nevius and um, they really got a kick out of it. So, um, nice. Well, this is, this is the lack of respect to Final Destination (laughs) 2. Exactly. That they, with all due respect to that critic, (laughs) sent their second stringer along. Yeah. Subordinates thrown in, you know. Someone promoted (laughs) from the youth team went along to see this one through. Yeah, that's it. I bet they sent the proper guy along to the final destination with the Vimto swimming pool, didn't they? (laughs) No, they didn't until they heard about the Vimto swimming pool. And now he's kicking himself that he didn't see it. Get the big boys in, come on. (laughs) So uh, CW Nevius gave it three out of four stars. They did it in the same way that Roger Ebert does. And uh, they stated that you'll gasp, you'll flinch, you'll cringe, but mostly you will scream. That's what you want from a horror movie, isn't it? Angling for the back of the DVD. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely. They wanted a spot on the poster. <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice. So, I mean, we this is definitely in our wheelhouse. Oh, yeah. And just to bring 100%. it home again, Rob, uh, Letterboxd, solid 2.8, which is right in the FYR <laughs> yeah, yeah. wheelhouse. And I did find a good uh, review from one Brad Hansen, who I believe is also a contributor to the Evolution of Horror podcast which is a really good podcast cool and he simply described it as the godfather part two of horror sequels 3.5 stars yeah, now, that <laughs> should, now that should be on the back of the dvd yeah. it should that's be. a quote especially the the star rating 3.5 <laughs> like Marvelous. i can't justify giving it four but i really uh, yeah, yeah, enjoyed i really it. loved it but i can't go that far <laughs> love it love it spectacular um well should we dive into the movie then, in which case? Oh, yeah, I, I, yeah. I love the... Um, well, I get comforted whenever I pull out one of my old DVDs and I see the new Line Cinema logo. I just <laughs> yes. find it... It's like pulling on an old jumper. It's lovely. <laughs> deeply lovely. Deeply lovely. And you know where you are with this, and then it, quite immediately you're faced with um, a credit that says, production designer Michael Bolton. <laughs> Marvellous. <laughs> Marvellous. <laughs> How can we be lovers if we can't be friends? He's, he is a man of many talents. <laughs> he really is. He really is. How good is this man? He can do anything, this guy. Um, this is one of the most indelible, greatest. And I don't say that as part of hyperbole. 
greatest opening sequences to a film of all time. Yeah, this, this is aged this really crash. well. I was really surprised really has, when I watched it. it. Really uh, so has. the film's yeah. directed by David R. Ellis, who sort of made his bones as a stuntman uh, back in the day. He worked on things um, from Game of Death to Scarface to Days of Thunder. He then became a second unit director and he worked on Waterworld, which has been on the pod, uh, Deep Blue Sea and The Matrix Reloaded and then graduated to directing and he's got a weird filmography. So he directed this. He also did The Final Destination of the uh, Vimto-inspired innards fame. <laughs> yeah. Snakes on a Plane. Does everyone remember the viral sensation yeah. that was Snakes on a Plane? And then yeah, the yeah. movie came out and nobody wanted to see it. <laughs> this man gave our culture so much. <laughs> he did. He definitely did. And weirdly, Homeward Bound 2. What a weird... <laughs> One of these things is not like the other. <laughs> hey, you take the work when you can get it. Exactly. <laughs> you take it when you can get it. Absolutely incredible. Wikipedia tells me he also directed the little scene at 2011 thriller Shark Night. Oh, right. Um, which, which, which features a shark leaping out of the water to attack. So Realism is obviously a big cornerstone for his cinematic work. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what a man. What a man. I have so much to thank him for. (laughs) I know. And I assume he was the man who personally hired Michael Bolton as production designer. (laughs) (laughs) Such a fan of his work. He is, he is. Do you have a greatest hits this Christmas, Michael? No. Be production designer. Come on. (laughs) Oh, dear. Uh, Yeah, this this scene is just, it's brilliant. uh, It started becoming what, what the... The Final Destination franchise was known for, wasn't it? Yeah, These definitely. Yeah, incredible opening sequences. I would never look at logs the same way again. No, ever after this. No. To this day, if I am behind on the motorway, a lorry carrying any similar sort of object, mm. I'm legitimately terrified because yeah. the first thing that comes to my mind is that poor copper's head yeah. exploding yeah. as the yeah. log goes through it. <laughs> yeah, and that's yeah. a real that's a real tone setter for the rest of the film, that isn't it? Because it's not it just is. a case of the log coming out the back, the whole entire back of his skull comes out the back. Yeah. Of the oh, it's unbelievable, the isn't it? Like, the, um, I think, like, um, not just is it very effective, but I think it's really well shot. It Actually, is, yeah. Every shot is really good to look at here. Yeah. you can, Like I said, you can tell he sort of started as a stunt guy because he gives the drivers mm. and the way that he shoots the yeah. vehicles as well. He's giving them just yeah. that few extra frames that perhaps someone who didn't, um, perhaps a director who hadn't had that background He's really yeah. given the stunt drivers the opportunity to yeah. shine in these moments, it. I think. And it's, yeah. it's, such a, it's such a step up from the first film. Yes. Where, really, they're taken off the plane and then we see the plane explode from a distance. Mm. To get from that to this yeah. is an incredible step up in the franchise. And it's, it's really oh, yeah. effective. It's a very gruesome pile-up sequence and it feels quite practical there are this, the logs for instance are cgi but i think a lot of it is real cars crashing into other yeah, cars I mean, and we're, real we're, we're 17 yeah. years later aren't we and yep. we're still talking about a fear of logs on roads yeah, because yes. of this sequence because of how effective it was and and it's all the uh, all the other little bits in it that are so um and it's a horror movie trope to have foreshadowing and portentous elements yeah. that suggest things aren't going to go well. Nice nod to the slow-mo truck crash kid who's got two vehicles <laughs> going. <laughs> and and, and the, the bus full of people randomly yelling, pile up. Yes. <laughs> yes. 
Yeah, it's not so much foreshadowing as Tony Todd standing in the middle of the motorway screaming, you're all going to die! (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I don't think you could call it a trope when the entire (laughs) movie consists of foreshadowing. (laughs) Couldn't agree more. Could not agree more. Uh, Only one thing dents it for me. Um, You know, probably going to have to take this out, but what are these two douchebags doing with these attractive women? What are they doing? There's no way these two guys would be in this car with these girls. No, I I confess the thought did cross my mind. (laughs) I I enjoy the fact that, all right, boys, punching, good work. (laughs) But no, they're about to get massacred as well. Yes. Good work. You know that if those guys were around today, they'd be on Reddit complaining about the Charlie's Angels reboot. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad the couple of incels in the back got waxed. <laughs> oh, dear. Right, uh, so, and that sets things up, doesn't it? Yeah. So we've got, um, she saves people because she has much like, um, what's the character, Devon Sawa's character in the first film? Stan himself. Stan, <laughs> yes, Stan. Yeah, he is, he's Stan, isn't he? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, he read he read the the fortune of what was going to happen on the, on a starter cap, and uh, <laughs> yeah, he knew that it was all going to go wrong. Uh, and uh, yeah, they're all saved. All these people are saved. It's particularly gruesome. I love that element of seeing a massive. Sorry, no, this it's not going to come out well. <laughs> seeing a mass, seeing a massive tragedy at a distance is very chilling. You know, when you do it in a film. It's really mm. chilling. Yeah. When you see a huge thing happen. Like, you know, in Cloverfield, when you saw like a really distant explosion. Yeah, yeah. And you were like, whoa, you know, and you, oh, your stomach does a, a, a what's it and all sorts of stupid stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a technical I see, term? <laughs> I see your, yeah, I was going to say, I see your angle in for the back of, DV, back of the DVD as well. It made me My stomach did a what's it. Three and a half stars. <laughs> Hey, listen, promoters anywhere. I will say that your film gave me a what's it. That is works. not right. That's not what we said. Oh, right. Someone take over. What happens next? Where are we? Yeah, so Tom, moving on, I think we end up in the police station, don't we, with all the various survivors and uh, the girl. Is it Kimberly? It is, yeah. It is Kimberly. Kimberly is trying to explain to the uh, all the uh, incredulous survivors that she had a premonition, much like the kid who was on Flight 180 a year earlier. They all know about that, but they all think she's lying anyway, and they all decide to go their separate ways, which proves to be a poor decision. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, it does. It's almost as if they didn't see the previous movie. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Which, as we later learn, they all basically did. They did. So they're always talking about 180. They've got 180 yeah. on the brain, these lot. Yeah. Well, I mean, as we later find out, they're all intimately connected to something <laughs> to do with Flight 180. Uh, yes. That is hilarious, that sequence. It's like all it of really them were is. present <laughs> as the kids in the previous film got oh, it's, whacked it's, individuals. It's, and it's the most earnest, serious conversation ever. It is, isn't it? It's like, no, I was you... supposed to be at the theatre that night, said the guy whose only character trait is that he snorts cocaine every 30 seconds. What is that guy doing at the theatre? It was probably a porno theatre, because later on in the film, he does ask Kimberly to hide his oh, porn stash before he dies. Yeah. Oh, his poignant farewell, yeah. where he goes... Anything that would make my mum sad, you have to get rid of. I think that's lovely. Yeah. I never felt more for him than in that moment. 
He doesn't look especially remorseful, though, does he? <laughs> no, no. I don't want. I don't want to go to hell. So don't make my mum cry. Okay. Yeah, Please. yeah. There's some really <laughs> weird right. shit under my bread. Please clear it. Out. <laughs> I do. I do have this mental image though of his of, of like some lovely old woman turning up to collect her son's things and just weeping as she pulls out <laughs> copy after copy of Playboy. Some of the pages ever so slightly stuck together. Just. <laughs> Just <laughs> cocaine tumbling off them. <laughs> we knew he wasn't going to the theatre that night. <laughs> <sighs> so from here, they, they all go their separate ways, don't they? And we get a, a couple of really... I mean, I think, to be honest with you, the, uh, the crowning glory of this film is that all of the individual death sequences are so much fun. They're so yes, they they've are. really upped the ante Absolutely. from the first film. Absolutely. Yeah, they really did. I mean, the level of complexity yeah. in that first death scene, the way it goes from, you know, he's putting the food on the hob and then he yeah. drops the like the ring down the plug hole. Yeah. He has his hand stuck in the plug hole, a fire breaks <laughs> out, but not one fire, two fires, because the microwave goes yeah. as well. But, and the reason the microwave goes off is because he had like a box of Chinese food. And like a fridge <laughs> magnet fell off his fridge into the box, it's which so he then good, puts in it? the microwave. So he's got his but, hand in the plug hole. There's two fires yeah. going on. He's trying to like, he's trying to kick this pan, which is on fire, <laughs> as if that's going to help the problem in any way. I, I, this I, moron. I, I, I love, I love this, because uh, it's the first time that, um, the, fir- the later deaths ease off on this because they they come a lot quicker yeah but these slow burn deaths that happen over three to four minutes like evan and like whoever comes next who is it oh the kid we'll get to the kid i have a lot to say about the kid and the dentist yeah yeah but they become like um the the deaths themselves become whodunits like what's gonna get him because there's a load of red herrings in those actual sequences as to what might kill him yeah they're really well done they are yeah yeah it's great so yeah first ever death scene that's a whodunit is um that's a big piece of kudos for the uh, final destination franchise yeah it was death going through his messy divorce with the fire escape (laughs) (laughs) it's so funny because like when you're watching that sequence play out you're like uh, if someone told you yeah he's going to end up with a ladder impaled through his face and that's how he's going to die how's that going to happen he's clearly got his hand stuck down a garbage disposal and and the flat's on fire done yeah by the way, how scary is the prospect of a garbage disposal? We don't have them in the UK, do we? Oh, no. Ooh, evil, yes. Evil. Who, who came up with that? It's the stupidest thing ever. Just, why would you like, put a portal to hell in your home? Yeah. <laughs> a grinding portal to hell, you know, a rotating disc of horror underneath Just, your sink that you can put your hand in quite easily. Why nothing good has ever happened in a film where there's a garbage disposal in play, ever. <laughs> yeah, there aren't many Never. films about the positive impact of garbage disposals. <laughs> I just want no, to see a film no. once. This would be subversive. It's just like, there's a garbage disposal and it never comes back into play again. It just works perfectly. Yeah. It does what it's supposed to do <laughs> instead of being a death trap in the kitchen. Could you imagine in this film, Evan going like, oh, I've, just put, oh, I've lost it. No, I've got it back. Oh, what a great garbage disposal. <laughs> oh no, I'm falling down. Everything's on fire. Yeah. Nothing to do with the garbage disposal. There we go. That's how you do it. That's how you do it. 
Uh, oh dear. Then of course you know uh, they go and see Clear Rivers. Great name for a, a main character. This one or, or sub main character. Or, yeah. You know Clear Rivers is is excellent. Um, uh, and I'm I'm struck immediately by the notion that don't padded rooms look lovely. It looks so cosy. <laughs> it really does. Christmas in there without a question. Um, I, you know, can I rent one of those and lie there and listen to production designer Michael Bolton? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's I mean, that's effectively what she has done. Yeah. She's just like, well, I'm going to die everywhere else, so I'll uh, sit in this nice padded room. Yeah. What? Clear rivers, just... or as a clear rivers, or as her friends call her, Vimto swimming pool. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> What I don't understand with this, right, is Death is still stalking her, even though she's in the padded room. She must get horrendous diarrhea on every other day, basically, because that's the only way it can get to her. I do, I, do, I, I do like the idea that Death went, because she was in a padded room, Death went, ah, oh, I saw it. Yeah, ah, it'll be yeah, fine. Yeah. Just, yeah. Oh, and then she comes back with the crew, which is like, oh, I remember her. Right, yeah, I need to get rid of her. Yeah. The day death was meant to kill her was the day the divorce papers came through. Yeah. He was like, oh, no, I can't bother with any elaborate murders today. <laughs> no, but then they see that picture of, you know, um, she says like, oh, you know, and not what happened to Alex, as in, you know, Devon Sauer from the first one. Did you see that Polaroid photograph she's got? It looks like Marv from Home Alone 2 actually got hit by one of the bricks Kevin threw at him. <laughs> so basically, I did a little bit of research in this. So originally, Devin Sawyer, uh, Sauer was uh, supposed to reprise his role of Alex Browning oh. in this film. So I think oh. he would have been the one in the padded cell when they, uh, you know, because so, he was obviously the star of the last film. And basically, uh, there was some sort of contract dispute, so he didn't come back. So basically, he was like, all right, how can we kill him in the most hilarious, like, unspectacular way? He was just walking down an alley and a brick fell on his head. And now he's like, <laughs> that's it. That's how he died. This it's is- like, yeah, you do. You, you, you sit there and you go, yeah, I can see why they didn't put that in the movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whereas, so, j- jumping ahead... Uh, Final Destination 3 features a newspaper cutting where we learn the fate of the characters from Final Destination 2. Oh, right. Oh. And they, like, fell into a wood chipper, <laughs> which is great. Who did? Who Why did? Why didn't we get to see this? The people from this movie, the survivors yeah. at the end. <laughs> yes. Oh, my word. Even when it's not on celluloid, the Final Destination team or, or mythology is still working overtime. <laughs> After one of them fell in the wood chipper, how did the other one then fall in? Oh, no. How have we not seen that? Was it it on that? I mean, we've not even got to the end, but was it on that farm at the end? Probably. No, I think I, I think I think there was I think some time elapsed. Oh right, okay. maybe death had got on Tinder, found someone new. <laughs> um, just... He was a little bit more on song, you know, feeling yeah, a little bit better you know. about everything. Yeah, just, just you know, death had been swiping. He'd been spending some time. He'd gone for a, nan- he'd gone for a Nando's with someone. <laughs> Wood chipper, that's how we sort this. Uh, I love the um, the dentist sequence is another brilliant, brilliant sequence. Yeah, it's so good. Yes, now, I've got a point to make about this because I've seen this film probably 20 times <laughs> and it was only in the most recent viewing of it the other day that I noticed one of the sincerely cleverest things the Final Destination franchise has ever done. So the kid in the dentist, it's one of those elaborate ones where there are like 20 red herrings and you don't know what's going to kill him. You know, there's, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's water from the fish tank by the electrical cables. Yeah, yeah. There's the, uh, there's the, the, the gas. There's the thing from the like mobile that falls into his mouth and he's choking him. Oh, it's awful. Yeah. And then 
at the end, he runs out of the dentist into a flock of pigeons for some reason. Um, the pigeons fly into a workman guy and he drops a big pane of glass on Alex's head. Not Alex's head, <laughs> the kid's name. I think Whoever his Tom name is. Tim, I think. Uh, Tim, it's uh, Tim. Yeah. That's what it is. So the the glass crushes Tim. Tim, for some reason, folds under the piece of glass. It like no liquefies him. <laughs> <laughs> Liquefied instantly. But the clever thing that happens is when he first sits in that dentist chair and you can see through the window the crane with all the glass oh, you're right. carrying it you're around. Right. And the doctor, the dentist, turns to Tim and says, have you felt any pain recently? That is good. I think what they must do with these deaths is they, they work out how they want to kill them and then go backwards. They must go yeah, backwards they do, yeah. and yes. go from one thing to another. And how can we make it so cleverly convoluted that you would never? It's guess? like Mousetrap, isn't it? Did you used to it play is. the board game yeah, Mousetrap as yeah, a kid? Yeah. Like it's like it's really convoluted. It's, how... it's exactly like Mousetrap. The best one for that is in Final Destination Five. The first death sequence in that is a gymnast. Oh, I'm wincing that. already. I'm wincing oh, it's already. Correct. James, it's awful. It's awful. And she's on one of those like narrow beams where they like tiptoe along. And then there's like, there's all sorts going on. There's people making noise nearby. There's like an upturned, like drawing pin, I think, yep. on the beam. Oh, and she's like on point almost on her toes. And she's getting closer and closer to this drawing pin. And there's like, there's all sorts going on. The beam's like shaking. <laughs> and then she comes off the beam. So this is like five minutes into the sequence. She comes off this beam. She goes on the one way you like, you hold onto it with your arms and you flip around it like the bars. Like five different things happen at once and she comes off the bar, hits the floor and just folds in half. And it's grotesque. It, it's, it's a bad one, this one. And, and you hear like the crunch and the snap oh, of the bone. It's oh horrible. God. Oh but God. The, thing that makes, the thing that makes it so brilliant is the build-up. It feels like it goes on for days. <laughs> and like every step could kill her. Yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah, it's, it, and you never expect that. Like you think she's, oh, she's all right when she makes the dismount. Uh-uh. That's it. You think, unless a flock of pigeons turns up, she's going to be fine. (laughs) (laughs) All I could think of, Tom, in that moment, you know, when she made the jump was Jim Ross going, oh my God! (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) It's, oh, it's incredible. But like, yeah, nothing prepares you for the stupidity of Tim running at that horde of pigeons. No, it doesn't. (laughs) I'm going, it's it's, it's worse. It's worse because they've, they, Kimberly and uh, Burke, the police officer, have worked out that the pigeons are going to be responsible for his death yeah. in some way. So they run at him while he's outside the dentist and go, Tim, the pigeons. And he goes, oh, what? You mean run at the pigeons? And legs it into the pigeons. <laughs> and let's not forget, Tim is 15 years old. I know, like, I know. Like... Originally, it was supposed to be like a nine-year-old kid, but New Line weren't too comfortable with squashing him for pain of glass. No, they'd rather make poor Tim look like a proper idiot. I think he liquefied out of stupidity rather than anything to do with glass. Did you hear the, the crude joke he gave when he walked into the dentist? Did anyone else pick that up? <laughs> no. He, said, he turned to his mum and said, if he gives me the gas and my pants are down, don't pay. Yes, he does say that. <laughs> He does. <laughs> he did say that. Like, hang on, Tim. This is not, you know, come on, mate. <laughs> anyway. So this is this this is a guy who has the level of like maturity and crudity to make that joke. But also, when he sees pigeons, he loses himself. <laughs> 
It's, it's, it's kryptonite. Ah, pigeons! Oh, my God! Yeah. <laughs> uh, does, you know, when he's when he gets... I mean, he get This is the worst death. I mean, in uh, this is a bad one, this. But he gets segmented, crushed, folded, and eventually popped <laughs> by this piece of glass. This is bad he news just, bears all around. He just, disappe- <laughs> he just disappears <laughs> he under this glass. <laughs> and the, the glass does not break in any way no. until it hits the ground. No, I don't know how this has happened. I really like Linda Boyd's work here. Um, and I like Linda Boyd in everything that she's uh, that I've ever seen her in. But having seen that, I got the impression that she was told what re- what had happened, and then she was, was she emoted to what she'd been told rather than seeing that because that was horrendous. And she was just went, "Oh, my son, <laughs> you know, yeah. oh, my son." <laughs> He's now he's now Vimto like the pool boy. <laughs> to, to be fair, yeah. To be fair, I don't know much about Linda Boyd, but I like to imagine that she was a very serious actor about it. <laughs> went, yeah. How how would I react if my teenage child was chasing after pigeons and was liquefied by a pane of glass? I really to get into the headspace of this character. Yeah, it would be like, oh no, not again, you know. <laughs> there he yeah. goes. Any well, avian life. I told and he's him. Off. I told him. One day, Tim, liquefied. I told you. <laughs> you chased the pigeons. Honestly, that is such an effective piece of filmmaking, though. That that pain crushing. Him. Oh, it is, like, isn't it? It is. Seventy yeah. years from now, when I'm on my deathbed, that's and my brain fires its final synapses. <laughs> one of the images that fires through will be Tim getting crushed by that pain and collapse. <laughs> Please, could it also be him going beforehand? (laughs) (laughs) And then we've got Candyman. He's Candyman's wandering about Tony Todd. He's allowed to mess around with bodies, quite obviously, because he's always. He's a mortician. Yeah, but I don't. He doesn't really have much respect for the dead, does he, really? You know, he's legend. No. He is so legendary looking, he can do whatever the hell he wants. He does, yeah. Yeah, he's so good. Uh, and he sort of lays out the rules again, and then they all sort of band together, don't they? Yeah. And then we're just barreling forward then, and it's just horrific death after horrific death. It is, it? It like, he just thing is, though, t- Tony Todd just makes up these rules. Yeah. He doesn't know. Yeah, he no. hasn't got a bloody clue. <laughs> no, what the rules no, of death are. no He I goes, ah, maybe it's happening backwards. Ah, maybe new life can stop death. I don't know, perhaps. <laughs> but he sort of gives you the idea that he's sort of got a hand in this. Like, I can have a word with death. It's like, no, you can't, right? You're just a weirdo who works in a mortuary, <laughs> right? Maybe, right, maybe him and death are great mates. Yeah. Maybe death was just, you texting him going, you know, I've met this woman on Tinder. I think she's great. But on the other hand, Clear Rivers is still alive. Should I handle that first? And Tony's like, oh, it's all going to end in tears, this. I've got a, I've yeah. got a few cadavers to go through. It's, how long is this going to take, Death? Just crack yeah. on, do what you want. Got, you in fairness, death, death made it easier for him with Tim. If he's liquefied, there's nothing to go through, so yes. he's fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, He's got nipples to rip out of human beings, hasn't he? So, you know, <laughs> yes. absolutely appalling, isn't it, really? Not very professional, is it? Yeah, and, and you know when he, he pushes Evan into the fire? He does it by yeah. his head. He puts his hand on his head yeah. and just shoves it in. Also, is, is Evan not having a funeral? He's just thrown his body into a furnace. No, like. no, no. And, of course, anyone's allowed to walk in at any point during these things. Uh, no yeah, I mean, right. Uh, look... At some point, though, if you're that guy, you go, well, I look like Tony Todd. 
My name's Bloodworth. I'm a mortician. I may as well just lean into it. (laughs) (laughs) The main characters have a meeting. It's lovely. And they decide that, all right, everyone have a really old cell phone so that you can be in contact whenever Kimberly has a vision. Um, Nora's there, who just lost her son in the most horrific of ways. And they're all making wisecracks about still being alive and cheating death. She literally watched her son become potty. (laughs) They're not nice people, are they? Anyway, anyway, her death is ace because it features that horrific sniffing dude. Yeah, and the man man with hooks. The hook guy. I love Ah. that. The the, the beautiful thing about that is that he's already weird. And then (laughs) she gets a call from Kimberly who says, a man with hooks is going to kill you. And she turns around and there is a man with the most hooks any man has ever had upon his person. Uh, just it's so nice. He's a great actor as well. Um, yeah, that's another really, really fun death in this film. Actually, the, yeah, yeah. You know, half oh, of them try to keep her head up and you know, yeah. and uh, her body up while oh, it's horrendous. Really good. Yeah, head comes off. Moving on. <laughs> right, we got we move. Yeah, yeah. We're an hour in. We've got a lot of people to cap here. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. There's a lot. Well, then a suddenly, lot going on. Um, uh, so, you know, we're off again. Uh, they're going off rurally, and I, d- I never really realised why. Yeah, they, they believe that their fate is uh, interlinked with uh, a pregnant lady whose name escapes me at the moment, who was present at the car crash. Yeah. Isabella. Yeah, yeah, yes, and they Isabella, all have to stay yes. alive until she gives birth. Because new life, apparently, has yeah. something to do with because something that's according to Tony, Tony Todd. Uh, yeah, this is uh, Justina Mercado yeah. plays uh, Isabella, but she appears in the credits before Tony Todd, so I'm believing her more than I'm believing Tony Todd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, it's, it's in, and it's in this travelling scene that they have the conversation where they realise they're all connected to Flight 180. And then they go, and then they, so they all have this earnest conversation, cocaine dudes talking about his theatre trip, one of them's talking about being a, a, pl- a supply teacher, and then at the end, after they've all said how they're connected to Flight 180, they go, with no connective tissue whatsoever, that's why death's working backwards. Why? How? What? Uh, yeah, no, no, no reason. No, no. I still don't get it. I'm enjoying everything I'm seeing, but I still don't understand why it is It doesn't is make happening. a lick of sense at all. And it, it no, basically, no. these are just, scenes are just there to connect one horrendous death sequence yeah. to another. Like... We, get, we get two other brilliant deaths coming up here. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, this is a, this is, yeah, this is deaths on top of deaths. The sharp pipe through the back of the Swede. Yeah. yeah. That is bad news bears again. <laughs> <laughs> This is a new phrase, Rob. Where have you picked this up? <laughs> I think. Uh, I, I, I think. I, I think through. I think through the back of the Swede was what it said in the script as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If oh, I remember yeah. rightly. But the whole because um, you think because they survived the crash, you think it's over. You think she's all right. The yeah. red herring is right there, and then it's an airbag that out of literally yeah. out of nowhere yeah. goes poo, and she's well the red it. herring oh. is is uh, a news truck's arrived because I don't know I, I yes. assume that it's Jake Gyllenhaal's character from Nightcrawler has just come, <laughs> <laughs> come onto the scene <laughs> to film the wreckage yeah you've got the um, the gasoline from the punctured tank travelling down these pipes isn't it and you're thinking alright oh, okay there's going to be some sort of explosion and that's how she's going to go but no it's just the fireman trying to release her he 
That's Tugs it. a bit kill, hard. Deploys kill, the kill airbag. By an, <laughs> yeah. Killed by an airbag while using the jaws. It's so Alanis Morissette bloody loves that death. <laughs> yeah. But oh, isn't it ironic, don't you think? <laughs> it's like rain on your wedding day. Yeah. It's like a pipe through the Swede. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Uh, and, and, and then um, can, yeah it's great it's wonderful our, our theatre going cocaine dude gets one of this is this is my favourite death in the whole franchise I think yeah, this I'm is a you. slept on one this I think I, I think. agree with you both yeah this is a biggie this one for because me. it's not got the build up no because <laughs> it's so quickly after the death we're now calling pipe through the Swede um, <laughs> It's it's so quick after it because that's the payoff of the gasoline. Yeah, it is. Yeah, is yeah. that it's it sets off this uh, fence which is linked with barbed wire, yeah. which just shoots through the air, goes straight through cocaine roaring, <laughs> and and cuts him into three with some sort of loosely assembled innards falling out of his I body as he goes, so and, and like a really like a little somber little. The third, like, there's two main chunks to him, and there's a little somber little third bit that doesn't really have much to say for itself, but slops down to the side. Um, I read that this was a trisection, yeah. apparently. A trisection, beautiful. Yeah. I love, I love the filmmaking in this sequence because you see the, the the fence go, you see it go through him. It cuts to his face as the blood comes out of his mouth, and you go, oh, oh shit, he's been done here. Yeah. He has got done, and then. It, it cuts back to the wide shot where you go, oh, they've replaced it with whatever mannequin they're using. Yeah. And then you go, oh, it may, he's probably just going to fall now. And then the parts just spread a pile. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> it's, it's, pre- it's, it's a trisection, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> and you get that horrible little churn of innards that pops with it. You know, that yes. slithers down so you know yeah. it's very serious. Oh, it's bad. Top, top quality Foley artist work. I mean, I've got to be honest, um, have you guys ever fell into any barbed wire? No. No. <laughs> uh, I I have. Um, and um, it, it, <laughs> This wasn't during my stint as a Japanese deathmatch wrestler. Uh, <laughs> it, it's just one of those things that, um, yeah, I lived quite rurally as a kid. Uh, so yeah, fell into some barbed wire. And um, I mean, this is some seriously strong barbed wire, this. This is like yeah. atomic-grade NASA standard I think, barbed wire. I think the idea is that it's travelling at such speed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I was not travelling at that speed when I was doing <laughs> yeah. no, obviously, because you're still in one piece as opposed to yeah, three. So you've not been, you've not been <laughs> trisected. I have a little scar on me back here from it, though. Right down here. Uh, <laughs> but, yes, um, and uh, the real villain there wasn't death. It was... Uh, John Smith. That's in the <laughs> ale, John Smith. <laughs> there's a uh, there's a there's a beautiful moment in this scene where we almost get a third death, and it's the moment that sets up the final yes. the final scene of the movie. It is, yeah. In that there's this little lad who's the son of the the uh, owner of the farm. He is almost killed by the news van, but cocaine Rory dives in at the yes! last minute, yeah, yeah. pulls him out of the way, allowing him to cheat death, and I'm sure. That that will go wonderfully well yeah. for little Brian. <laughs> <laughs> is I mean, is that his name, little Brian? Yeah. <laughs> I is think he's Brian? just called Brian. Is it? I oh, think no. I've added. <laughs> I oh, think yeah. I've added the adjective. Now, yeah, all right. Because there's so much to say about this end sequence, so we'll save it when we get there. But it all it all revolves around a Doctor Collagian. Yes. Yes, it does. They, they could have. I mean, they could have picked a. <laughs> Less, so, I don't know. The name, the name Collagian doesn't exactly roll off the tongue, very much. <laughs> no. I think the thinking was they wanted it so you couldn't confuse them with any other doctor. <laughs> <laughs> 
So if it was Dr. Smith, there's probably 10 of them at that hospital. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, yeah. Yeah, that's true, that's true. You don't get but, many Dr. Dr. Kalajian. <laughs> I've never met one. No, I still haven't. I mean, Kimberly is neither use nor ornament. She's about as much use as a chocolate kettle because every one of her premonitions, she gets it wrong because they don't help in no, any they all way die. whatsoever. They all die anyway. Having prevented mass murder in the beginning, she's just, she's gone right off the boil here. Well, hold on, no. Her advice... To- her <laughs> advice to both Tim and Nora is perfect. Her advice to Tim is pigeons. <laughs> advice! <laughs> and, and her advice to Nora is stay away from a man with hooks. Yes. They both ignore that advice and as a result, die. Kimberly is doing fine. Her only cock-up is, is admittedly now. <laughs> There's a lack of specificity in the instructions. Yes, so I yes. want a bit more... <laughs> Concrete information from my clairvoyance. Well, if she's if she's yelling at you in a clearly terrified voice, pigeons, she's probably not saying, look how nice those pigeons are, go and say hello. No, I don't know. If you're alerted a 15-year-old boy that there's something there, like, hey, pigeons. He'd be like, pigeons? You know, maybe, I don't know. Same with Nora. Well, no, man with hooks has already sniffed her hair, so that's a different kettle of fish entirely, isn't it? Yeah. So she thinks she's got to kill herself so that the baby can live. Is that right? Is that right? Am I? I'm not really sure at this <laughs> no. point. I mean, at this I, point, Ali Lart has been blown up as well. Oh, as yeah, well she's as Gabriel. Gone now. Gabriel. Yeah. <laughs> she's gone now. So, Eugene. Well, so what happens is, so so she has this vision of Dr. Kalajian, <laughs> and she believes that Dr. Kalajian is is choking her in this vision. Yeah. Um. Or in fact, no, choking Isabella. She believes oh, yes. she's seeing Isabella yes. in the vision yes. because she sees someone at the wheel of a white van and they know Isabella drives a white van. Um, so they rush to the hospital, tackle Dr. Kalajian to the ground, <laughs> um, at which point Isabella is going through a very traumatic labour where the cord is round the baby's neck oh, and they yeah. really need Dr. Kalajian right now. But she's been tackled by Kimberly and well, Burke. Actually, before that, they were saying, uh, like, um, hey, the, the, the baby's struggling here. And Kalajin's not even running. She's swanning about, like, no, this, <laughs> is, this <laughs> hospital runs to my pace. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah. But then, so, so the, the baby does give birth without Dr. Kalajin's help. Thanks for nothing. <laughs> and, and, they, and, and so they're like, fuck yeah, we've cheated death. Yeah. Because, <laughs> um, because Isabella's given birth. At which point they realise, because Kimberly is not able to process her visions properly, they realise that Isabella never died in the vision. And so this life was always supposed to be born and they have not cheated death. Yeah. <laughs> At which point they realise that Eugene, who is in the hospital somewhere, having sustained an injury in the crash previously, uh, Claire Rivers is going to find him. There's all sorts of stuff with his uh, ventilator and whether that's going to turn on. <laughs> and whether that's being oh there is off. red herring city there as well isn't yeah it? yeah there is there's loads of stuff with eugene and so that's intercut with the labor and so you're supposed to, it's basically a race against time between the baby being born and yes. eugene being killed um ultimately it doesn't matter because eugene and claire both get blown up <laughs> in the, uh, yes because there's oxygen been leaking from the machine or something um yeah and it all blows up but only in that specific <laughs> bit of the hospital <laughs> And they get like Claire's face gets burned right off. It does. Oh yeah, it's bad news. Yeah. It's 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 yeah. It's death getting his own back, isn't it? Oh death yes. Tinder yeah. date did not go well. Um, <laughs> there's no second date. They had nothing in common. Here you are, Claire. Death sent a picture of his penis to the lady. She did not respond. <laughs> um, 
Check out my side. <laughs> yeah. Was it in monochrome with a decent use of lighting as well? <laughs> it didn't didn't go didn't go well for death, so he thought he'd take it out on 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 clear. Yeah. Oh. Um, and so they're both dead. We're left with uh, just just Kimberly and Burke by my count. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. It. I mean and, and Burke is uh, am I allowed to say Burke is thirsty? <laughs> I think you can because she's dead. And uh, she gets defibrillated back to life within five seconds. He's macking on her. Oh yeah, yeah. It's kind of it's kind of a thread in the sort of middle final destination films where there is um, a woman who's had the visions and is very driven to make sure that this all gets sorted out, and a bloke who just wants to sleep with her. <laughs> <laughs> it it says a lot about the terrible, terrible male people in these. It films. is, it is, and, and um, you know that their, pri- that their priorities are sex. Then survival. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> survival is secondary. Yeah. Yeah. And I get that his his thing is like, it's okay, I'm a cop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's his whole thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, uh, by my count, he's not protected anybody. <laughs> he's not helped anyone with his brother's cop. If he has a tattoo on his body, it says, don't worry, I'm a cop. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, right. So they go into a... <laughs> <laughs> the lake. Go on, explain, trying, explain the really ending of this movie. <laughs> they go into a, a, a lake and uh, she's nearly dead. Uh, she didn't have yeah. to go through all this anyway, did she? No, pointless. Um, or is it? Or, or did she? Because who knows well, at this stage? If she like... cheats death, then, I mean, Burke's still not cheated death. Obviously, they all get wood chippered by the next movie anyway. So, yeah, but so so what happens is... She gets screwed over by some poor journalistic wording <laughs> because she she turns. She's desperate. She needs to know what's going to happen next. Um, she turns to look at the pin board in the hospital. And on that pin board is a newspaper cutting that says something along the lines of man given new life after rescue from drowning. Uh-huh. And she goes... Ah, that's what new life means. Yeah. It doesn't mean a baby. She decides that if she she looks at her hands and she realizes they have the same cuts as in her vision. So she goes, oh, oh it was yeah, me yeah. in the vision all along. The the white van was an ambulance. So she commandeers an ambulance, drives into the lake to drown herself <laughs> so that she can be revived by Dr. Collagian, because that's what was happening in the vision. <laughs> she wasn't choking anyone. She was doing CPR. Yeah. <laughs> so she theorizes that if she can do that, she will have new life because that's what the journalist said and journalists never lie. <laughs> um, <laughs> so her, her biggest sin really in this third act is believing tabloid reporters. Yep. <laughs> but the joy of it is that death just messes with them and lets them believe they've won. I know, he yes. is, he's very vindictive in that sense, and, isn't he? Oh, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's I mean, like, oh, uh, maybe he had, a, maybe had a, uh, a mini break or something with his with his new Tinder squeeze and then he was like, maybe. oh shit, I've still got to kill those guys. Right, where still are they? Those guys. <laughs> yeah. Woodchipper. Let me just Wood check into, no, what was it they used <laughs> earlier in this film? Map Quest? That was what they yeah. used earlier in the film. <laughs> Let me just check a map quest where these people are supposed to murder. Oh, they're having a lovely yeah. family barbecue. That's a, that, 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 right. I tell you what, that's a that's a lost art in movies, the, the terrible search engine. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, for it years, is, actually, it? For yeah. years, one of the brilliant things about watching any movie was when they would fire up a search engine and it would be like <laughs> Boogle. <laughs> Gone are those days. They just used the trademark now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, right, so... This end sequence here, right? This little payoff at the end. 
How yeah. does it come about? Right. The, the, the people that at the farm, right, they were like, hey, we still live at the place all your mates died at horribly. Would you like to come for a barbecue? Yeah. And they said yes. What? Well, who? They're all weird. What's? Go- How does this meeting happen? I don't understand. Ah, uh, look, such memories. That's where Rory was cut in three by the barbed wire <laughs> yeah, fence. Yeah, yeah. Oh, look, there. Pipe went through a Swede over there. Marvellous. That's it. Pipe through the Swede. I think, like, the thing is, one, and this is common to all of the Final Destination films, is that once they believe they've beaten death again, yeah. what sets in is an incredible arrogance. Is <laughs> <laughs> this this belief that they are somehow untouchable. They spent, they spent, you know, the week after the uh, hospital scene, they spent that whole week just walking into traffic, <laughs> putting their arms outstretched in the road. Just, they were driving down the motorway, miles in the wrong direction, just to follow the lorry with the logs on. They were like, can't do anything to me now. Yeah, yeah. Using the toaster in the bath, like, box, yeah, there we yeah. go. That's it. They were putting their hand down the garbage disposal. <laughs> Fridge magnets in the microwave, chasing all the pigeons they wanted, <laughs> running merrily through the town. And then they got a call from the farm, and they said, do you want to come for a barbecue? Yeah. I know all your friends died here, but we've got a nice couple of chicken legs in. And they went, yeah, what? we can't be why touched not? What? I mean, Why have I not? I always go back to the scenes of major accidents in my life. So why <laughs> yeah. would you not do this? That's like, how, how many times have you been back to that barbed wire? <laughs> <laughs> That's the only place you have barbecues now. Oh, I mean, um, and then, of course, you know um, the the lad who escaped death twenty minutes previously gets yeah. blown up on the bar. I mean, it's bad. It's bad parenting. You know, how old is that kid? He's what ten at most. No, he's got to be twelve. Please. <laughs> You're, oh, right, twelve. Okay. No, it just makes it a little you more. Don't let a twelve year, me, you don't let a twelve-year-old run the barbecue, do you? <laughs> Fifty yards away from you. Yeah. I I just love it's it's one of the scenes where this franchise shows its ex incredible grasp of time. <laughs> yes, it does. Because yeah. they're all having this beautiful barbecue with the chicken legs and the undercooked minted lamb steaks. Yeah. And the thirsty cops. Lovely that's it, having a lovely time. Thirsty cops there like, yeah, I'm definitely getting my end away. <laughs> it's all paid off. All I had to do was watch a dozen people die in horrible circumstances. And I'm rewarded. <laughs> By a relationship of convenience yeah. with Kimberly, which really is all I ever wanted. And then Death's so like, oh, how- I'm going to give you the ultimate cock curse, my friend. So yeah. that's all going on. And then the little lad uh, uh, goes off to the barbecue and the mum, with incredible comic tiring, goes, oh, tell them about the time you nearly got killed. <laughs> yes. And he goes... Oh, yeah, that day you were all here dying in horrible circumstances. <laughs> I almost got run over by a van, but Cocaine Rory saved my life. <laughs> and then he goes, see ya, goes off to the barbecue. <laughs> They're looking at each other like, oh, God, what's going to happen? Thirsty cops like, oh, no, my night of passion has gone yeah, out yeah. the window. <laughs> yeah, it's all over for me. Yeah. He's shrinking visibly. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> You can see him just throwing condoms out of his pocket. He's like, <laughs> Discarding. He's not on the cards for me. And then the barbecue blows up. And the final image of the film is the mother screaming as 
the little lad's charred arm lands with perfect precision on the plate in front of her. That That, that is how, you know, uh, I don't like to say bad about Linda Boyd, but Linda, this is how you emote to your, your teenage child getting... <laughs> Liquefied. <laughs> but well, this is the it. this is the great thing about practical effects versus CGI because obviously they didn't they couldn't fold Tim in reality. <laughs> <laughs> no. Why have we never seen a behind the scenes sequence of that though? They can drop a uh, barbecue twelve year old's arm in front of his on screen. <laughs> you can, you can. And she oh she's great in that. That's how you react when your teen son gets it. Uh, right, very quickly, what's your favourite death in the film? James first. Oh, it's it's a tie, a tie. between between uh, liquefied Tim and uh, Rory being eviscerated by an explosion propelled barbed wire fence. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, what about you? It's 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 the cocaine Rory barbed wire trisection. He <laughs> <laughs> made it sound like like a move that you would do in a, a in a morgue. <laughs> it's like, like okay, students, I, I'll tell you what it sounds like. It sounds. I'll tell you what it sounds like. It sounds like a Netflix Power Rangers series. It does. <laughs> Power Rangers <laughs> trisection. Cocaine Rory barbed wire trisection. <laughs> I'm going to go with, um, uh, I like, yeah, we talked about it earlier, but the, oh, I really hate that. You know, in the in the opening sequence, the Nora gets a bottle of water stuck under her feet and it goes under the brake pad. Oh, yeah. yeah. That is, that's proper nightmare fuel, that. Yeah. Awful. But no, definitely um, great big log decimating the Swede of Thirsty <laughs> Cop in that, in that first sequence. Yeah, I forgot it was like, him. It was him, yeah, yeah. Absolutely liquefied his Swede. Um, Marvellous. And, 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 the, and the thirsty cop's usually a big fan of massive logs. <laughs> so I don't know what they are. I know, I know. Well, you know, it was good job it was a premonition, <laughs> to be honest. So, for your reconsideration, uh, we always say, um, Tom, that whoever bought the film to us goes last. So, I'll start with James. James, for your reconsideration. Final Destination 2. Yeah, I had a whale of a time watching it and I've had a great time discussing it with you two this evening. So it really dials up the silliness uh, from the more sinister aspects of the original, uh, slicing and dicing its way through the can fodder cast. Um, you know, the film exists purely for the set pieces and its success or failure is predicated completely on how well those sequences come together. And David R. Ellis is all over it. These sequences are creative, subversive, and gorily over the top. <laughs> uh, it feels really self-aware throughout the whole film. And the fact that the filmmakers and the cast uh, of stereotypes are seemingly in on the joke makes for a swift, cheesy, tongue-in-cheek thrill ride that generates more laugh-out-loud moments than most actual comedies. Uh, so, yeah, it's an enjoyable way to spend 90 minutes and worth a look, even if you haven't seen the first instalment. Yeah. Oh, absolutely love it uh i would totally agree um for me for your reconsideration yeah definitely uh as you say james if you've not seen it do see it it doesn't take itself seriously in any way it knows how silly it is it knows how silly the um uh, and convoluted the plot is and all you have to do is just sit there and enjoy it that's it's not a complicated one this one that said some of the best uh and most iconic i think uh, cinematic horror deaths are in this film. They really are. And that comes down to a number of reasons. One is I think it's really well shot, actually, this. And um, practical effects, again, go so, so far with these things. Albeit there must have been a few CGIs. I'm I'm nodding yeah. here at Rory's 
trisection. <laughs> really? It can't be. Really? I know. But so I, I, you know, I love all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's just loads and loads of fun. And that opening sequence with the logs, I defy you to want to go on a logging road in Canada ever again. <laughs> if that's your bag. What about you, Tom, mate? What do you think? Yeah, this film's great. I haven't got a bad word to say about it. It's I, I love the whole franchise, even the final destination with its Vimto swimming pool down. <laughs> and, it's, and it's bizarre NASCAR opening, which basically just comes down to lots of people getting twatted in the head with tyres. Um, <laughs> it's, it's as simple as that, really. But yeah, so I love Final Destination 2. I think... It, it gets the uh, inventiveness of the deaths just right. I think it's absolutely self-aware. It's absolutely knowing of its own silliness, but it also allows the actors to play it completely straight, yeah. which I think is a really a strong aspect of the film and is in fact why it works so well. Everyone's in on the joke, but at the same time, they're playing it seriously. And so it allows it to be so much more entertaining for us and even though you're not, it, it's like you said, it's not as sinister and as atmospheric as the first one, yeah. um, and it's certainly not as silly as the, the the third and fourth ones. But the the tone is so elegantly balanced because even though you're not like scared and on edge, those sequences once they ramp up and you get into them, yeah. you are tense and you are yes. worried about what's going to happen. Absolutely, partly because the characters are quite likeable. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Even, yeah. you know, for all of their flaws and cocaine habits, <laughs> unreciprocated first, but all of those things, you do kind of like them and you really want them to not get murdered by divorce death <laughs> going on his sort of horror ride of anarchy. Tender rampage Where he throws death. all of his own... That's it. Throws all of his own rules out the window, starts going backwards for no reason. <laughs> even t- even Tony Todd's slow voice can't explain <laughs> it. Like Tony, the Tony Todd character, I think the direction he was given was this: if you speak slowly, people will just believe you, even <laughs> yes, if what you're yeah. saying makes no sense. So yeah, I love this film, love it so much. And as I said at the beginning. I do credit it largely for my love of horror movies. Oh, that's awesome. That is awesome. And you can't get anything purer than that. Anything that reignites, oh, sorry, not reignites, ignites a feeling in you uh, or a passion in you about something deserves a second look. I love it. Uh, fantastic. Yeah, so that is a unanimous Final Destination 2, FYR seal of approval, reconsider this movie. Marvellous. Boys, I enjoyed that tonight. That was absolutely fantastic. That was great, yeah. Yeah, loads of fun. Yeah, uh, excellent. Tom, thank you very, very much for coming on. Huge appreciated. Not a problem. Awesome, awesome. Uh, Tom, if people want to uh, follow you on the um, on the Twitter machine, where can they find you? Uh, yes, so they can follow me on Twitter at Tom J Beasley, and that's B E A S L E Y. You can find my writing in lots of places on the internet, but I mostly share it on Twitter, so you can find it there. Uh, the Pick of the Flicks podcast is available uh, on flickeringmyth.com and also via all of your usual podcasty channels like iTunes and Spotify and all of that stuff. It's a different guest every week talking to me about their favourite movie of all time. So it's lovely and positive and nice in a world where we don't have enough lovely, positive and nice. Oh, now, you see, that's, that is exactly our wheelhouse. We wanted to bring, with this podcast, we wanted to bring positivity to the, yeah. uh, to, to the well, the, the, the film conversation. 
So yeah, uh, the unloved, the unloved. Yeah, no, I <laughs> yeah. love love that, Tom. Thanks so much, mate. It's been great having you on tonight. Um, yeah, I couldn't uh, couldn't agree more. Listeners, um, thank you for listening. Please check us out at FYF Film Pod um, on Twitter. Send us emails to reconsiderpod at gmail.com. And please send us those five-star reviews if you have any kicking about uh, to your podcast subscribers. So we're all going to go off and watch a Vimto swimming pool death scene. Am I right? Absolutely. <laughs> That's it. It's happening right now. <laughs> I've, watched, I've watched it three times since we started this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also going to go to the uh, the local phone book and see just how many Collagians are kicking about in there. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I've, I've, and I've got my weekend prepared. It's all Power Rangers Zebra proportion. It is there. Copyright awesome. FYR film book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't take it. Awesome, awesome.